welcome to the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living podcast, where high-achieving, goal-oriented rebel women come to learn how to live a vibrant and fulfilling life without requiring alcohol to get through it. No labels, no judgments, no saying you'll never drink again, just real proven methods to help you stop rebelling against yourself with alcohol so you can drink less and do more. I'm your host, Angela Masenik. Let's dig in. Welcome to episode 183, how to drink less when your partner or friend still drink. Hello, hello, hello. How are you all? I am fabulous. New month. We're in July. It is summertime. And I held an amazing class last week called How to Drink Less When Your Partner and Friends Still Drink. This is the number one question I get is how do how can I cut back when everybody around me drinks, especially those spouses and partners? <laughs> so I made a whole class on it and you guys get to listen to it. So enjoy this class and we'll talk soon. Good morning. Welcome to How to Drink Less When Your Partner and Friends Drink. I'm Angela Masenek. I'm a certified life coach. I'm the host and the creator of the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living podcast. It's on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Google, YouTube. Just search for Stop Over Drinking and Start Living podcast and you'll be able to find it. I've also created many Stop Over Drinking and Start Living programs for women. So I, if you don't know me, my name, again, my name's Angela, and I have a very probably similar story with alcohol that you might have. I drank a lot in my early 20s, all through college, partying. A lot of times it was just on the weekends with my friends, staying up late, um, binge-type drinking for sure. And as I got older, I refined that to be more sophisticated drinking, or so I thought, with wine and fancy cocktails, and I was in sales and marketing, and I traveled, and I entertained clients, so it became more of like a lifestyle for me. And I got into fine wines and fine dining, and my husband and I lived in San Francisco. This is us on our wedding day. We got married in Sonoma at a winery, and so it was very much a big part of my lifestyle. And I identified as somebody who loved wine and really appreciated fine wine and good food. And I would host wine tastings and pairings and all this stuff. And, you know, I would overdrink on the regular and I'd wake up in the morning feeling like shit. Maybe try to take a couple days off or go on some fast or a diet. I also struggled with being overweight on and off my whole life. My parents put me on a diet when I was eight years old. And so that was very steeped into what I did as well. And, you know, I'd overdo it, then cut way back on things, overdo it, and then creep back in, overdo it, cut way back. And that went on for over 20 years. And then I had three kids back to back and was also working full time and managing all of that. And I had high levels of anxiety and stress and overwhelm. And I was definitely, I noticed consciously that I was using alcohol to take the edge off and to escape and to quiet my mind and to shut it all off. And I had a lot of resentment that I was the one that was doing all of the things in the family. And, you know, if things didn't work out exactly the way I planned them with the schedules or kids getting sick or work, I just didn't know how to handle that. And so I would turn to alcohol to quiet my mind and my feelings that I was having. And then fast forward to it got so like that was really how I felt a lot of the time. Like I just couldn't handle it all. It was too much. I would I would question like, why am I doing all this just to wake up in the morning and repeat the same type of activities every day? Like, what's the payoff here? And so I ended up quitting my job and I had a lot of time to figure it out. And 
one of my friends mentioned life coaching and I'm like, what the heck's life coaching? What's feelings? <laughs> so I started listening to this podcast and they talked about feelings and you know, that I'm like, Oh, like, and I just started becoming aware of how I was feeling, how I was thinking. And then I joined this coaching program and it taught me how to take agency over my life and how I was in charge of how I felt and that it wasn't my boss or my kids or my husband or all these external things that was creating how I felt. It was me <laughs> and it was how I was thinking about all those things that created my feelings. And I was like, wow, that was like mind blowing to me at the time. I hadn't heard about this stuff before. And so then I started becoming more aware. I learned how to process my feelings. I started interrupting the automatic cycle of going to have a drink. And I made goals for myself for the first time in a long time. And I learned how to be uncomfortable in social situations without drinking and letting other people drink around me. And through that process, I decided I want to become a life coach because if I could learn how to do this and change my life and my relationship with alcohol, I know that other people just like me could too. So fast forward and like right now I'm celebrating four years not drinking and after 20 plus years of doing that and never thinking that I would never drink, like that was never my goal. I'm still really blown away. I'm celebrating that big right now and I hope that you can resonate with my story and know that it's possible for you too. If I can do this and have everybody that still drinks around me, including my husband, including my family members, all my friends, I know that you can do it too. Even if you don't believe that you can, I just want you to live in some inspiration about me and what I was able to do. Um, and I'm not special. I've helped hundreds of women do the same thing through coaching and through my classes and the podcast. So just hold on to believing that it might be possible for you if you can't fully believe that it might be possible for you today. So today, um, we're just gonna be communicating in the chat. Like I said earlier, I can't see you, I can't hear you. So if you have questions, you can put them in the chat. I will be checking in. I will be asking you guys to put some answers to some questions inside the chat box today. And I hope you have fun and walk away from this class with some real tools that you can apply in real time, especially with this holiday weekend coming up and next week with how you might be able to drink less when everybody else seems to be drinking around you. So my intentions for today's class is, does, does coaching make sense for you? For specifically to so you can cut back and tools, real tools that you're gonna walk away with today with how you can cut back while your partner or your friends might be drinking. I'm gonna teach you them and then I'm gonna answer your questions and then I'm actually gonna talk to you about at the end of the class about how you can join my six month Stop Over Drinking and Start Living coaching program. It's really exciting right now to join because tomorrow we're kicking off a supportive dry July together. You don't have to do it if you join the program, but it's a way to take a 30 day break and have lives daily support for you to do that. If you've thought about doing that in the past, now would be a really good time to join because you'd have that pretty high engagement interaction for me and the other members inside the program. So just want to preface before we dig in here is this is not a recovery program. If you need alcohol to function, if you need to drink when you wake up in the morning or to function, this is not the program for you. If you feel like you might need medical supervision or you might worry about withdrawals or something like that, if you took a few days off drinking, then this is not the program for you. Stick around to the very end. I am going to be sharing some details of the program and some fun bonuses that you get to have for people that have joined this class. So is this you? I want to make sure you feel like this is hitting all the points for you in this class. If you feel like you want to cut back, but it's hard because everyone around you also drinks. And when you do it, it often feels less than supportive from those people. 
You're scared of changing your relationship with alcohol because all of your family, friends, and colleagues drink too, and you don't you worry about what that might be like and how your relationships might change. You feel like social situations are really hard to to not drink or to drink less. You feel like a failure often when you say you want to stop over drinking or controlling how much you drink, but you don't follow through on that. You feel frustrated that you might start things and not complete them to fruition or all the way through. Um, you read books, you try taking breaks and listening to podcasts, but it doesn't like start the, the permanent change. It doesn't turn into much. It's like you're just absorbing information, but it doesn't really, you're not applying that into your life and seeing the changes that you'd like to seek. So if you feel like you resonate with one or all of these, you're in the right place. And I just want to sort of paint the picture for you again. Um, I showed, I shared with my story, but you know, this is a story from another woman who listened to the podcast, took some of my classes and joined the coaching program. And she wrote in about her experience and after she was done coaching with me. And she said one of the main reasons that she joined the Stop Over Drinking program was that she was sick to death, sick to death of the start on Monday game that she played with herself week in and week out. She had gotten into a habit 12 months previously of a daily drinking habit with her husband after work and they were recent empty nesters. So she had that very tie to alcohol that was connected to this sort of relaxation time with her husband. But she'd wake up at three o'clock in the morning, completely filled with worry, anxiety, anxiety, petrified of the damage she was doing to her body. And she was over it at this point. So she did the work, she put in the effort, she got coaching. She allowed herself not to be perfect, to embrace her imperfections, because a lot of times what happens is we start something like this and we're like, oh my God, I'm going to do this. And then we do it. And then the first time we make a mistake, we're like, so that didn't work. And we quit. Or we're like, I'll just start again on Monday. And then we get away from getting back to the tools that you've learned, right? So she allowed herself to be imperfection, like to be imperfect and learn from that. She said she does still drink, yes, if she wants to and if she plans for it, but she's learned that she felt so much better without it, so she doesn't drink very often or very much. And she's lost 15 pounds from when she began the course, and she manifested living in an apartment on the beach in Australia with her help. So this is like the journey of this is stop over drinking and start living. So you, you fix the problem with over drinking, and then you start creating the life that you want to live through the same tools that you learned how to stop over drinking with. So she says, do the work above all, be kind to yourself, give yourself grace and never compare. She started this at 58 years of age. I love staying in my own lane. And she wanted me to share this with you because it's so important that you understand, it doesn't matter how old you are, what situation you are in your life, that you could make the changes that you, that you really want around alcohol. So we're gonna do a little exercise together. I want you guys to take a deep breath with me, okay? And just notice what you're feeling in your body, okay? Are you nervous right now? Are you overwhelmed? <laughs> Are you excited? If you could name how you feel right now, what would it be? And you just take note of that. You don't have to let me know. Okay, and just notice what you feel in your body. Is it? Are you feeling some tightness in your chest? Or is your throat tight? Or are you totally chill right now? And then just take another big deep breath. And use your breath to sort of focus on where you might be feeling any tension or tightness in your body and use your breath to kind of relax into that space. And I want you to close your eyes. Okay. And I want you to visualize yourself 
in the next situation where you may not want to overdrink. Maybe it's at a 4th of July barbecue, or maybe it's on vacation next week. Something that you have, you know that you have coming up. Maybe it's just tonight with your partner or your friends after work. What comes up when I ask you to think about that? And you just picture that scene, like a movie scene in your mind with your eyes closed. Let's take another breath. Hmm. Now I want you to think about not over drinking in that situation. And I want you to think about and visualize like as if it was a movie, what you do and how you feel and what you're thinking about in that scene. So maybe you're walking through the door. I'm picturing like entering a backyard barbecue. I'm walking through the door and I see all these people, sunny outside, there's tables and chairs, there's a grill, there's lots of food and drinks everywhere. And I walk in and I scan the room and I'm excited to be there. And I see a couple of people I really am excited to see and I walk over to them and I'm like, oh my gosh, hi, and we start chatting. I'm not thinking about food or alcohol. I'm just so excited to be there with them, to talk to them, to catch up, to have fun. It's a beautiful day out. I feel really good. I woke up that morning. I did my work for myself. I exercise. I've been drinking my water. I'm feeling energetic. And I go over and I have great conversations with them. I might get some food on my plate later and sit down and really enjoy what I'm eating with intention. Having my mocktail or sparkling water with some lemon in it. And I'm really at peace in that situation. And I'm happy. Take another big deep breath. Just remember what this feels like. What are you feeling right now? And then take another big deep breath. You can open your eyes and come back to me. And I want you to know if you can visualize that, if you can picture that like a movie in your mind, that that can be your reality. I don't even have a barbecue planned yet. <laughs> this is just something that like my mind decided to play out for me. I know that I can have that experience because I've had that many, many times before. But before, like maybe if I was you four years ago listening to this, I would be like, that would seem impossible, but I could, I could dream about it. I could, I want that. And so I want you to hold on to that vision for yourself during our class today. Okay. And if you want to share what came up for you and like what you felt and what you saw in the chat, I would love to see that from you. So if you guys are typing that, that's fine. I'll, I'll come back and read it. But I want to get into, before we get into the meat of the tools to how to handle social situations and how to cut back while your partner and friends are drinking, is I want to give you some background onto why we overdrink. Because a lot of times we don't know that. We just go into tactical mode and like action mode to fix things. But we need to understand why we're doing things in the first place so that we can recognize some of this stuff when it comes up for us. So we overdrink because we're seeking to feel 
some emotion that we currently don't feel in the moment. Okay, so in a social situation, we might want to feel relaxed or we might want to feel connection or happiness or joy, right? And if you walk into that situation, you're not feeling that. Maybe you're having some social anxiety or maybe you're worried about something, right? And then we go drink to sort of like get us to the desired emotion that we want to have. Then we overdo it because putting something in your body to feel something that you want to feel doesn't work because our feelings are generated by how we think in our minds. So when we put a substance into our bodies to help us feel something different, we need a lot more of it. Okay. So if you're like, if you're somebody that likes to keep the party going and you keep that elation feeling going, it's because you're not feeling that way on your own. And so you need, you're requiring something outside of yourself to get there. It's like at the end of the day, too, when you are stressed out or you're tired or overwhelmed or something from the day, you come in and like now you have to go do dinner time or help take care of the kids, whatever your situation is, and you just want to feel relaxed, you just want to take the edge off, then you go get that glass of wine or whatever it is and you drink it and then that numbs how you currently feel. It's like putting a blanket over it. It doesn't get rid of those feelings. It just sort of like softens them and numbs them. And then you train your brain that that's a solution to feeling something different. Okay. And so then you create a very strong neural pathway for that when you feel those feelings again. And we keep doing that over time. We increase our desire for alcohol. Then your brain is really motivated to go get you to drink because you've been teaching yourself that you need that substance to feel something differently. Okay. And the good news about this is that you, this is a learned behavior. Okay. And so we can unlearn it by the tools that I'm teaching you in today's class. Yeah, Christina, your social anxiety kicks in, even though I see my great friends. Yeah. So it's like, what, I wonder what you're thinking in those situations, like, like if you can start to be aware of what your thoughts are when you see them, that would be really important for you to understand so that you can start working on that. And the reason why it's so hard to cut back is because we've built up this desire over time for a lot of my clients. And it was like this for me, you know, it built up, you know, by the time I stopped drinking, I had a very strong desire for it. And it was so, and I, and that's, that was like that for at least like five years or so. It was just like, I would try to cut back and it was really hard. I, I remember one Halloween, um, I was really trying to work on this and I said I wasn't going to drink. This was probably when I was trying to not drink during the week and Halloween came and my kids were just wild crazy and like running around and there's people over and like nobody was listening to me and there was mess everywhere. And I was just like, it just, it, it felt like I was suffocating. Can you guys relate to that? It just was like so much, I didn't know how to handle that. And I wanted the alcohol. I kept having all of this chatter about it. My friend that was here with us was drinking. She had like a sippy cup she was going to go trick-or-treating with. And I'm like, I'm not drinking. I was just like white knuckling through that so hard. I was resisting it. I didn't know what to do with that desire or those feelings. And so we went out trick-or-treating. I ended up going back to the house to get the wine. Like I couldn't handle it. And so that's why it's so hard. I had this over desire for the alcohol and I didn't have the tools to know that it was just a feeling that I was having. I could breathe through that and pause and be gentle with myself, right? And so the only solution my brain came up with is like, you need, you need alcohol to take the edge off. But when we give in, we just keep that neural pathway going and it's really hard building more desire for it, okay? 
That's why just saying we won't drink or putting ourselves on a drink plan or saying I'm not going to drink during the week or I'm going to do a dry July with no support and not learning any of these tools isn't a long-term solution. We usually end up giving in and our habits start to creep back in. So that's why it's so hard to cut back and because of our, you can hear my dog now, um, the societal stigmas that we have, like we don't want to, we don't want people to think there's something wrong with us if we're trying to cut back or we're not going to drink and we don't want to get all the questions and all of that stuff. We don't want to feel deprived. A lot of our society and our cultural and our social situations and our groups that we belong in, not so much outwardly say these things, but we receive this messages that there's a problem if we want to cut back with us. Okay. And that we should be able to drink like everybody else. <laughs> Edie. <laughs> I'm just reading your chat now. When I'm at a social event and I'm not drinking, I get more of a, why are you not drinking? As though there's something wrong with me. It's as though not drinking is outside of the norm behavior, but it's a personal choice. Absolutely. It's what I just said, right? It's like, oh, it's like it's alcohol is a drug, right? And it's the only drug we have to explain why we're not taking. So if we're all at a heroin party <laughs> and you chose not to do heroin, they would, you know, maybe they would say something, but like they would never say, why aren't you doing drugs right now? It's cool to do drugs. Everybody's doing drugs. I mean, maybe if you were in a heroin room, that might happen. But like, we don't say that about that, right? And alcohol is way more devastating in our culture. And, and with people die from alcohol overuse than any other drug combined. All of the other hard drugs combined, alcohol is still number one in death. So it's just so ingrained into our culture. And it's become this expected thing that we do at every single function. We see it on television. We read about it. We see it in social media. It's everywhere, right? And so that's why people don't want to have that push with their friends and their culture because it's they have to defend it and it's hard. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you can't do it. And I'm going to give you some skills here to help with that so that you can feel more ease and say no or I'm not drinking right now with less drama in your own mind. So I'd like to know where you guys are. There's many of you on this call, and I want to know like where you are with your drinking story. When did you start noticing a pattern of overdrinking? What happens after you overdrink? If you guys can just, I just want to make sure I address everyone that's here today. Type in the Q&A or the chat box. What's, what is happening with you in alcohol right now? Audrey, you've been doing it for a couple of years. It ebbs and flows. Tell me more about that, Audrey. Is it like, is it ebb and flow like when things are stressful in your life? Um, does certain circumstances make you drink more? Um, does something happen in your past that you notice you started an uptick in drinking? Um, tell me about that. Sarah says every day after work. So Sarah, do you notice, you know, like what your feelings are at the end of the day, what you hope to want to feel at the end of the day that you're not feeling? Did like, did that resonate with you when I was talking about that?
COVID said Audrey. Yep. And then it was just a go-to habit. Yes. A lot of people that started with a lot of people too. Messina. Yes. Yeah, so if you have a major stressor, such as your mom is fighting cancer, so you started drinking more frequently four to five days a week. Thank you for bringing that up. That is very typical too. So a lot of times, even if it's something happened that like happened 20 years ago, could be last month, something happened in your past, something that was very stressful for you, or you had a lot of emotions over, right? And then you started drinking to get through that time, right? To take the edge off during that time, to cope with that time. You're training, you trained your brain at that time that that's what you do. So sometimes even after that event, that difficult event is over, we've picked up this habit now that we drink in response to how we're feeling and we're using alcohol as an emotional tool and we're still over drinking, right? So like when I was going back to why we over drink, that's just that strong neural pathway that you built. And a lot of times women that I work with, including myself, we had something that happened like that, that kicked it off right? It could be a death. It could be somebody gets sick. It could be a divorce. It could be kids leaving for college. Or it could be a move, a job change, COVID. All of that stuff is for sure big events like that. If we don't know how to cope and we turn to something like alcohol or food, right? And we, and even if that thing's not happening to us right now, we've picked up that thing and now we got to go back and like fix that and learn how to be with our feelings and process that stuff. Yeah, so Lisa, it's um, for you, it's just become a nightly habit. Let me see what else you wrote. Yeah, so you guys are a lot of saying you got into nightly wine habit during COVID. So like, what were you, what do you think you were using wine to help you with during that time? Right? Were you, were you scared? Were you bored? Like what was happening that you felt like you needed that glass of wine or you turned to that glass of wine at during COVID. A lot of my clients, it's like, I was stuck. I couldn't go out. I couldn't see my friends. So they might felt frustrated. They may have felt scared that they were going to get sick. They may have been really bored. They may have felt trapped, right? So there's emotions there that if you ask yourself, like, what, what do I think I was using it for? That will reveal to you, like, how that started and, like, yeah, now it's something that you've ingrained and, like, it's automatic go-to. This is what happens with the brain you it wants to be as efficient as possible so it'll learn how to do something like drink in response to how you feel and then it'll file away to a habit because it likes to take it's it wants to be very efficient so we're are, we're programmed to seek pleasure avoid pain and save energy so it doesn't have it doesn't want to keep learning something new so once you've trained it to drink alcohol like that right it files it to the back of the brain and then it just becomes a habit but to break that habit we got to get to the source Okay, we can't like saying it's just a habit doesn't really help you understand why you're over drinking. So we kind of have to back it up and ask ourselves some of those questions. Trying to wind down. Yep, I'm reading all of your comments. I'm just not going to be able to read them all out loud. Just making sure I get make sure I address everything here. Yeah, so Maureen, it's like you with COVID, you rely on your nightly wine to relax. Sorry to look forward to it, right? Cindy, you can't sleep with unless I drink wine. Anxiety, sorry drinking your twenties. Yep. 
Hi, Deanna. Yes, Audrey. Yep, it's all recorded, so you can come back and watch the replay. All right, you guys are all boredom, husband. Hi, Lori. Um, yeah, your shift is telling yourself you're now that you're a person that doesn't drink. No, thank you. I don't drink. So good. I'm so happy for you, Lori. Yes, Sharon, COVID was more of a trapped experience. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Lori says, I'm so pissed at my husband when he gets drunk. I totally count his drinks. Let's work on that, Lori. Okay, you guys are on the right place. Carla, your husband, I drink to connect. It's been 30 years. It's our number one activity. Yep. My husband and I got married in a winery. We met in college. <laughs> okay, so I totally hear you on that. Um, there's actually a really good podcast. Amanda, if you could pop that in the chat. Click on it when she when she puts it on there and save it for later. Don't go listen to it right now. But there's a really good podcast episode that I have called Your Partner. It's, it's about partners and um, spouses who drink. I invited my clients on, and we all talked about that, about them doing the work to cut back and how their husbands, by default, naturally reduced how much they were drinking without their influence, without them telling them what to do. It's really, really good. And this class is also going to address that, too. So... That's why you overdrink. We're now we're more aware of like our patterns, right? And our feelings that sort of started these things, um, started this habit going. So to, to drink less, even when your partner and your friends and your whole social culture drinks, you need to actually make a decision about what you want your relationship with alcohol to look like. What happens is we just say, I'm not going to drink or I'm going to take a break. And we don't really define that goal and set it and put it into motion. So right now on your piece of paper, I want you to think about what your ideal relationship with alcohol is. And it's okay if you don't know exactly what that looks like, but maybe it's just for now, maybe for the next month you decide, I'd like to be somebody who only drinks a couple times a week. And when I do do that, it's only a couple drinks per session, okay? Or maybe you wanna join me and do dry July and give yourself a 30 day break. So maybe you wanna write that down. And when you're taking a break like that, even if it's just for a couple days, add in to your goal that I want to understand why I overdrink. Just white knuckling it and, and avoiding it and just saying, I'm just got to get through these 30 days does not work. As you all know, we have to be able to understand what's happening with us internally that's driving the drinking and see that and work through that in real time through our experiences, right? We have triggers all throughout the day with our work, with our relationships, with weather, with freaking pandemics, all of this stuff, right? That get our emotions going and then we seek to get out of those feelings at the end of the day with alcohol. So even if you do decide to do dry January, dry July on your own and you don't decide to join the program or maybe you are in the program, you are doing dry July, please make it your goal to get to the root of what is happening and work on that. Okay, otherwise it's not gonna be a permanent solution. So write down your goal on your piece of paper. Do you want, or if you want to abstain, right? Just write down what your ideal relationship looks like. And maybe just say for now, let's just pick a 30 day goal. Okay. 100 days, Sharon, woohoo! 
Okay. 100 days, no alcohol. All right. And you guys can come back to that if you want. All right. You guys get to decide what this looks like. There's no more virtue in drinking less versus drinking more. I am supporting my coaching program in a dry July, but they don't have to do that with me. I'm just thinking if you want to try that and have support on hand, it's a really good place to experiment with that. In my six-month coaching program, people experiment with it all the time. Like I shared about Karen, what she wrote in in the very beginning. She took long breaks. She moderated. She went on vacations without it. She went on vacations and planned some, right? She, she got to experiment around it in a safe environment while she was having support. So it really doesn't matter what you guys are the ones that get to decide what kind of relationship you want to have with it. So there's no virtue in saying I'm going to go 100 days. There's no virtue in saying I'm going to take forever break. Whatever that is, you can decide to plan some drinks if you want to. Okay. So the, the benefit of writing this down and putting it on a piece of paper and then putting it out there somewhere is that you will actually make more progress towards it. You can't just keep this stuff in your head. You want to set your intention. You are way more likely to be successful if you write it out. So I want to share with you one of the members that did join. She wrote out her goals, okay? And she even shared this first slide here that she wasn't totally convinced that she would do it, but she was going to go through it and believe in this process and trust my coaching and make it happen. So her number one goal is to lose 20 pounds. Her number two goal is to run at least a 10K this year. Number three was journal at least, at least six days a week. Number four was cut down to two drinks two times a week. And number five, she wanted to exceed her revenue goals at work. And this is a lot of goals. I don't recommend that you guys do all that. Just pick one specifically around alcohol. But when she wrote that out and then she reported in where she was, I think it was like six months later or something, she lost 25 pounds. She has ran the 10K race plus another half marathon. She journals every day. She's been alcohol-free since November 28th, and that was never her intention. She just wanted to be somebody who drank a couple times a week, and she exceeded her revenue goals. So just by doing this and committing to it and sharing her goals, like it helps put those, those things into motions. And she worked on what she was thinking about herself and her abilities to do that. And she said it was a perfect blend of her thoughts, her belief in Angela and the program, and the inspiration she'd get from other members in the group that helped her make this possible. So now she's going to set some new goals. So I just wanted to demonstrate what this looks like when you actually decide and make an intention around it. Ooh, Deanna, I'm going to go do alcohol free for July. Nice. Whatever you guys decide to do is good. It's just a decision, okay? So now that we have our goal in mind... I want you to rake your, make your drink plan for the next seven days. Okay, so on your piece of paper, you have your goal at the top. Okay, so if you want to think about this after this class, that's fine. Just write goal, colon, leave some space in there for you to fill that out. And then underneath that, write drink plan and write down Monday, Tuesday, Monday through Sunday, each day of the week, and then dash how many drinks that you're going to have on those days. And if you want to do zero, just write zero, 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 zero. Okay, don't do this in your head. <laughs> you make a plan, set your intention, put it on a piece of paper. And if you want to share that in the chat, that will even secure that into motion. Say it out loud to yourself. Hear yourself speaking. That's your intention. Reinforce what you want to do. Verbalize, write it down, share it with somebody. That will help reinforce, okay, this is serious. I'm putting my intention out there, and that will help me actually achieve that. Okay? 
Let me know if you have any questions about creating the drink plan, especially around the holiday. What are your thoughts about this? <laughs> what is coming up in your mind when I'm asking you to decide how much you're going to drink before a holiday weekend? Like, what are the first thoughts that are coming up? Share them with, share them with me in the chat and we can workshop some of those. Very no Sharon and Deanna are going alcohol free and Jill through the end of July. So even though you guys have decided to do that, I still want you to do this exercise, okay? Because it's important to stay really close to your goals and your plan. So we might have a long-term goal, but like what? how are we going to make progress on that today? and for the next seven days. That's really where you make the biggest progress. A lot of times you're like, I wanna do that, that sounds awesome in the future, but then if we don't like make a plan and execute it for today and for days very close to us, we lose track of that. And we're like, oh, I can start on Monday. Oh, it doesn't really matter, right? So like, you make the biggest progress towards your goals and what you do in a 24 hour period, and then you just repeat that. Okay, Sarah, my goal is to have one or two drinks and be okay with that. Mary Pat, honestly, first thought is, can't we start on the 5th? Making a plan would make me feel like I am more control. How do you find enough? You just have to, that's a really good question, Lisa. You have to decide by making your plan that that will be enough for you. And then what happens is that you manage your urges and your desires when they come up after you've already had two. But your conscious brain, the one that has your goals in mind, needs to decide how much is going to be enough for you. Because your brain, after you've already had alcohol in it, is never going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm good. Especially if you have a really high desire right now. Maybe after you do some work on this and you work on reducing that desire, but now where you are, right, like... It's not going to be enough in the moment. So you need to just, that's why we make decisions ahead of time. So the goal is to like just decide how much you want to have and then you're going to learn how to make that be enough. Okay. And decide that that's, that's enough for me. I don't want, that. that's your real part of you that has your best interests in mind. If we wait into the moment after we've already been drinking, your primitive brain is going to kick over with all of those urges and desires and like you're just going to want to keep going, which is totally normal but you get to decide how much is enough now not while you're drinking okay you're welcome good job carla yeah so like having your three drinks and deciding that ahead of time is really good right you're welcome And you, like, I would just want to know why you want to, like, whoever wrote, why can't we start on the 5th, Mary? <laughs> um, you can, right? You can start on the 5th if you want to, but why can't you just decide what you're going to drink, how much you want to drink? Like, if you knew that you could decide right now how much you would want to drink in a way that is in alignment with the goals that you have, and like that was 100% possible, what would you put on your drink plan? 
I would just play with that for a minute. Write that down and we can come back to that. What happens, like no matter what you do, whether you plan, don't plan, how many you put down there, don't put any on there at all, your brain is going to have a lot of thoughts about it, as you're all noticing probably, right? What if what if I put three down and I end up drinking five? What if I put three down and I know that I, it's really hard for me to stop after that? Yes, yes, yes. Like your brain is going to object and have a lot of drama about it. It's totally normal. It really is. Your brain is just having thoughts. They're just sentences in your mind right now okay this is triggering your brain to think a lot about it it's okay you don't have to believe these thoughts you don't have to attach to them and listen to them they're just it's just chatter and you can decide you know what this is what i'm doing i'm going to see what this is like i'm willing for to be uncomfortable a little bit and work through this and if you know, like if you've tried this before and you put drinks on your plan, you're consistently not sticking to that, that's okay. Maybe you decide, you know what, maybe I don't want to drink over this holiday. Maybe I could do the holiday without drinking. Maybe I could join Angela on the program and do 30 days. You get to decide what that looks like. I would still decide to make a plan no matter what. Okay, if you want to drink, put drinks on there. So that you can learn to trust yourself and that you follow through on what you say you're going to do. Okay, you're welcome. All right, so this is just another member reporting. And I experienced an uplift of going out on a no-planned drinks day. So she went out on a no-planned drinks day, really wanting wine, feeling the urge, and letting it pass without acting on it. I literally feel stronger after going through this and sticking with my plan. I'm actually eager to put myself in more social situations so I can keep practicing this and getting stronger. So when you do this and you follow through and you work through those urges, right, you build strength and resiliency to do harder things. And then you might challenge yourself to go do something else, like not related to drinking, that's out of your comfort zone because you can. We are capable of doing so much more than we give ourselves credit for. We really can do this. All of you on this call, there's, no, there's nothing here that I see that makes me think you can't do that. You guys are all absolutely normal, <laughs> okay, with what's happening with alcohol. And I, I know because I've coached hundreds of women through this and they all have the same objections, <laughs> okay? So take another deep breath, all right? Start believing that you can. And I'm going to give you more tools. We've got your drink plan in place now about obstacles that you're going to face when you need to execute your plan. Okay. Hi, Kristen. Okay. Perfect. Obstacles. So we've got our goal. We've got our plan now. We're going to identify your obstacles ahead of time. So we all know what's happening in the next seven days, I am guess, or at least have an idea of what that might look like. But I want you to think about what might get in, in the way of executing and following this drink plan that you just made. Okay, so just take a, a second and think about that and like write it down on your journal or your piece of paper. So examples might be like your family and friends asking questions, right? Why are you not drinking? It's the 4th of July, come on, right? Spouse brings home your favorite wine on a non-drinking day. Vacations, parties. You get invited somewhere unexpectedly. You might have a lot of urges. You have, your brain is on fire. Like, it doesn't matter. I just need to take the edge off. It's the weekend. I'll start on Monday. These are all examples of obstacles that you want to think about that might happen and have a plan to overcome those obstacles in the next seven days. 
And if you want to share with me like what you think your number one obstacle is going to be, I'll help you work through that in the chat. Okay, so I will tell you, if you guys want to write that, that's fine, I'll come back to it. But I want to tell you that your number one obstacle will always be what you're thinking in your mind. Okay, so it could be an unexpected invitation. It could be your husband brings home a bottle of wine, whatever it is. Those are events. And then you're going to have a lot of thoughts about those things. Okay, <laughs> so it's what's happening internally for you. So your thoughts might be about an event like everybody will be drinking or not drinking is boring or I don't want to be uncomfortable or they're going to have my favorite wine or no one is supporting me or I've never not drank on the 4th of July or this is going to be too hard. I can't do it or I deserve this, right? Your thoughts, because we're not used to like challenging our thoughts. Most of you, if you haven't worked with a coach before or something like that, we're not really used to like not believing that shit, right? We have a lot of thoughts. And sometimes we don't believe them, right? Sometimes we do. Like, especially around alcohol, we tend to want to believe everything that comes up. Like, it's going to be so hard. What if I fail? Yeah. Those are just sentences in your brain. And you can choose to believe them or not or reframe them a little bit. So the column on the right are just some ideas that you might want to consider thinking instead when you hear your thought obstacles pop up. Okay. So a thought about everybody will be drinking is like, I want to focus on me instead of everybody else, what everybody else is doing. Okay, this is how we turn the, the power back to ourselves and let go of what the spouses and the friends are doing. So we, we just kind of like flip the mirror and we look at ourselves and we're like, okay, I know I want to drink less. So how can I focus on that for me right now and let go and not worry what they're doing? Because worrying about what they're doing or how much they're drinking and all of that takes your attention away from your goals. And now you're, you're pissed off and stressed out or whatever about what other people are doing, which does not help you achieve your goals at all. It just distracts you and then you feel bad and then you probably end up drinking <laughs> or just not having a good relationship, right? And, not, and missing out on great conver conversations that you could have or fun that you could be having when we're thinking so much and distracted about what other people are doing. Okay, so turn that attention back to yourself. The not drinking is boring thing is a belief that I had for a very long time, like my whole life. You know, my, my parents taught that to me when I was a kid. Like we, they didn't like hanging out with people who didn't drink. You know why? Because they didn't want to be judged by people that didn't drink. So they built this belief system that other people who didn't drink were boring and they didn't want to associate with that. And so they would talk about people like their own parents who didn't drink. And they were like, they just need to have a drink. They'd be so much more fun if they would have a drink, right? So I grew up with that. And so I adapted that belief system. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know this though, y'all. Like I wasn't aware of that. This is just what happens, right? Our society and our culture and our family influences the way we think. And then now as adults, we want to kind of question some of those beliefs that we've adopted from our society and our family and our culture and make sure it, it we still want to carry that. We still want to believe those things. So I chose not to believe that anymore <laughs> because I tried not drinking in the very, like when I was doing this work and I had so much fun. I it made it my mission to go out and still have fun and still be this vibrant, upbeat person that I knew that I was. And that's what I did. 
And I also recognized that drinking on repeat was actually quite boring because I was doing the same thing. It was the same problem over and over and over again. I'm like, that got boring. I'm like, don't I want something new to focus on? Don't I want to experience something new in my life? So I want to work on that so I can go do those things that are way more exciting for me. So now I have way more fun. I have way more relationships, all different kinds of people, you know, different parts of the country, all over the world. I create my own business, you know, like it's just so much better now that I've gotten that out of the way. And so my belief now is not drinking is fun, (laughs) right? Instead of not drinking is boring. So this is just an example of how to shift some of these thoughts that you might have in the next seven days. Cindy, yes, the whole um, webinar is going to be recorded. So just kind of watch where, where are we in time and you can fast forward and do that. You're welcome, Carla. Lori, your number one obstacle has been being home alone, being bored. It's 4 p.m. and the chatter starts. Thought, you know, you want that drink. Yeah. So like, how can we shift that one? Maybe that's like, you know what? That's what I used to think about being home and being bored and lonely. And I don't want to think that anymore. How about I think it's okay that I have this feeling of being bored. What Can I process that for a minute? What else could I do? This is just what I used to do, but I don't have to keep doing that. Okay. So this is an example of when you do that, when you take the time to look at your obstacles, look at what you might think, right? And what's happening for you in the next seven days. She wrote in, today was tough. I just opened a bottle of wine to pour an unplanned glass because I thought it doesn't matter. I deserve this. And then I stopped myself, paused, thought, nope, I deserve to honor my commitments. And she recorked, poured the water and walked away. And she said, I don't think I've ever uncorked a bottle of wine and not poured a consumed a glass. Excited about this. This is what happens when you become aware and you think about what might come up for you in the moment. And she recognized this thought because she has had this many times, right? Like all of us here have had thoughts like it doesn't matter, right? And when you recognize that and you're aware of that, like, oh, there it is. You know what? I do matter. My goals matter. And this isn't what I planned for today. So I'm not going to do that. And we interrupt that and we stop that pattern. And then new habits start to to develop. So this is possible for you if you actually apply and do what I'm telling you to do. So the social interactions, we're going to dig a little bit here. This This could be an obstacle for you, right? So if you have a party or people are drinking around you, we want to stick to our plan, 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 plan. You want to visualize yourself just like we did at the beginning of the class, right? Really picture yourself in that setting, not drinking or drinking what you planned. Okay, and feeling that what you might feel being successful doing that we're really good at visualizing not doing it and worst case scenarioing it like we're really good at that. Right. We go like our automatic brain is like that's going to be hard. I'm going to over drink and we picture that. So I when you do that, redirect your brain to picture success because what we think about becomes our truth. Okay, so if you're all worked up and worried about it being a shit show, that's probably going to be what happens for you unless you consciously decide to picture success and practice thinking that as much as you possibly can. Write it out. Write the story you would like to see happen. Okay, share it with somebody. 
Practice thinking that you're going to have fun without overdoing it and then also having an exit strategy. Decide how long you want to stay at that social situation or whatever it is that you're doing and make sure you know when you want to leave ahead of time. Don't just wait. I don't know how long I'm going to want to wait there. It's just, well, I don't know how much I'm going to want to drink. Decide ahead of time. Have your own back on what you actually want to experience. So if you're not drinking and you're going to an event where there are lots of alcohol and it's a party, I'm guessing you might not want to stay until midnight. I mean, that's for me and my experience, that's what I did. I went to the party early and I left after like 90 minutes. I went in, I was social, I talked, I was very uncomfortable, I worked through that, I did not drink, and then I left. And then the next time I would go, I would stay a little bit longer, and I would build strength on that. Don't go into the event like with unrealistic, like, I'm going to have the best time, and I'm going to hang out all night long and be super happy around all these other people that are getting now drunk after several hours of drinking, and they're not making sense anymore, <laughs> and they're, they're annoying me, right? You don't want to do that to yourself. So set yourself up for success and have an exit strategy. Figure out how you're getting home. Like, do you need to do an Uber? Do you need to drive separately? Whatever that is, plan that ahead of time, okay? Okay. What you don't want to do is obsess and worry, again, about what other people are thinking about your drinking. That is the biggest time suck of them all. And energy suck. It's none of their business what you do with alcohol. Okay, you are welcome to tell them what you're doing if you want to or just say, I'm good for now and that's good enough. I'm just going to have water for a drink right now. Really works well. And then people aren't tracking you if you're like, oh my God, is she drinking now? Is she going to have a drink yet? Oh my God, what's happening? That doesn't happen. Okay, maybe if you have a really crazy obnoxious friend, right? And they're really like monitoring you, that might happen. But like, it really doesn't matter. That's their issue. What happens is when we cut back, we're kind of like this threat, right? We're like, oh, you're going to change your relationship with alcohol? What does that mean for me? Are you going to make me drink less? Are you going to judge me if I'm drinking? They think they are thinking about themselves, not so much about you and what you're drinking. It's it's like they're worried that somehow that's going to threaten what's happening with them. So just remember that when you go into it, it's okay to say no. It's okay for them to have thoughts about it. It's okay for them to express it if they do. Most of the time, most of my clients report like nobody even cares or says anything. Yeah, Mary, you feel like a fraud when I don't honor my commitments to myself because I expect others to honor their commitments and I will honor my commitments to others. Yeah. It's time to work on that, right? Building that trust with yourself. When you say you're going to do something and following through on that, there's nothing. That's having integrity, right? That feels so good. And you don't want to, like, having that within yourself around alcohol is very, very powerful. This was another one. She said, thank you, Angela Masenic, for giving me the tools to successfully attend a wedding and only drink a half a glass. No white knuckling it. No hangover this morning. No regrets or wondering what I said or did. No embarrassing photos on Facebook. No being afraid to see anyone or wondering who I have to apologize to and for what. So this is somebody who had been working on this, went to a wedding, and she had the half a glass that she planned and was very proud of herself about that. And to people that don't have an overdrinking problem, they're like, who cares? But we know what this would feel like, right? This is like, I remember the first time I went out to dinner, I was on vacation and I was working on this and I decided not to drink on this vacation. 
And I went out for dinner and we had steak. And I didn't order a glass of red wine with my steak. And I was like, call the news reporters. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? It was a huge deal for me to do that. And I really acknowledged that and talked about that and celebrated that for myself because it really felt impossible to do that before until I learned some of the things I'm teaching you here today. Okay, so celebrate your wins and share that with people. This is why having a community of support is really, really helpful around this. Okay, the other obstacle that you're going to have when other people are drinking around you is urges, right? A lot of times we're so scared of urges that we want to hide. Like if we do a dry July or we're like, that's why I don't want to do it on vacation because we don't like this. <laughs> we're like, no, it's just easier if I don't do it on vacation, right? Like, can I just start then? It's because we don't want to feel uncomfortable. And feeling uncomfortable is just having that desire for it and then not answering that desire. And we think that that's impossible. And it's not because if you actually did this the right way, having an urge and letting it be processed and not reacting to it and not making it mean a big deal is not hard at all. I promise you it's not. It's actually very powerful when you're like, oh, wow. I just let an urge pass through me and I didn't drink. Like, it's fun. <laughs> I promise you. So you want to allow versus resist it. Okay. Allowing is like when it comes in, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm having an urge right now. This is not a problem. I know why I'm having the urge because I'm not drinking, right, when I normally drink. This is normal. There's nothing that's gone wrong here. Okay, my brain is motivating me right now to go get that drink because that's just what it's used to. Okay, so let me just process this. Use your breath, open up, locate any high vibration or tenseness or tightness in your body that you're having around it and use your breath to process that and release that in your body. And that might last 60 or 90 seconds and you do it and you're like, oh, okay. And then usually half the time, like once that happens, you're like already forgetting about it and moving on. It might pop up again later in the night and you want to practice this again. So open up, locate where you're feeling the tightness, use your breath. You want to get out of your mind. You want to stop thinking about it and like, okay, I just recognize I'm having a drink. I've said I'm not going to have any more. I'm not drinking tonight. And so how can I process this urge? And you focus more on your body versus what's happening in your mind. Okay. Let me know if you have questions about that. This is why like, I don't really recommend avoiding everything and everybody because you actually want opportunities to practice working through your urges. Because what happens if you avoid everything and you're like, I'm not, I'm going to wait till after vacation. I'm going to wait till after, you know, the party on the July 4th or whatever, is that you miss an opportunity to do this. And if you don't ever let yourself have urges, you don't get to work on your desire. So something will happen in the future, like a trigger, or you will be at a party or something like that, and you won't know how to handle that, and you might drink. So if you allow your urges and you work on, the urges are just desire, right? It's just a feeling of the want, right? And the more you process that and let yourself experience that and not answer the call to drink, your desire goes down because, again, your brain wants to be very efficient. And if you are consistently not answering the call to drink, your brain's going to go motivate you to go do something else. If you suppress the urge and never let it come or you distract yourself or go eat or avoid it, 
it's still there and it's just waiting to be triggered again in the future. Does that make sense? Happy to answer any questions about that. <laughs> Cindy, is it easier to reduce alcohol first or challenge yourself to go, go cold turkey? There's no right answer to that, Cindy. I would just decide what you want to do in the next seven days and do it. If you try, like this is this is a really good example, thank you for writing in this comment, of how your brain wants to take the easiest way possible, <laughs> right? That's how we're programmed. We're like, what is the path of least resistance? That's the one I want to take. We're programmed to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and save energy. So your desire to find the easiest way is just that in motion right now. And you can decide that it doesn't matter. You're going to have obstacles either way. So you're going to have obstacles with drinking and cutting back because you're still going to have urges after you've had alcohol and you're still going to have urges if you don't drink at all. You get to decide. There's no right or wrong way. And there's no right or wrong answer. It's just like don't overthink that decision. I would just decide what you want to do for the next seven days and then evaluate that at the end of the seven days and make another decision. Okay. She said, your coaching program has only cha has changed my life. Only six weeks in and my urges are gone. Would have never believed it after three to five glasses a day. This is why <laughs> letting yourself have urges is important because you can make really fast progress towards reducing your desire if you put yourself out there and you put yourself in situations to practice it. I'm not saying go out to everything, right? Make sure what you are doing with people is something you actually want to do. Make sure you like those people. Don't put yourself in bad situations just to practice an urge. If you, this is also about like having integrity with yourself and knowing yourself. If you, if you're thinking like I have to drink to get through this, it's probably because you don't want to be there in the first place. And you don't need to go to that thing. You can say no. You don't have to go to all the things. Learning how to say no is also a part of this. Do things that you actually want to be doing. Spend time and the activities and the work, all of that. Make sure you enjoy that stuff, okay? It's easier to, to not drink in things that you're actually enjoying versus like sitting at a family function when you hate everybody in the room, <laughs> okay? It's okay if people get upset if you don't come to a party. Let them have their feelings about that. Your feelings are just as important as everybody else, okay? And it's time for you guys to put yourself in the forefront there. So this is just me out celebrating my 40th birthday on the dance floor without drinking and everybody else around me is drinking, including my husband, but it's because I worked on that. I had gone to some events before and not drank and worked through that desire and like I could, I knew how to handle social situations. Like you guys, I'm not drinking. There was a ton of peer pressure here, a ton. <laughs> and finally I just like, stop it. I am not drinking tonight, you know? And like we ended up having a really good time and they, they felt my energy around it. There wasn't any wiggle room, right? And they're just like, all right, cool. Their biggest concern is I'm going to be a drag or I'm going to push it on them. And when you don't do that, you can just be you and have fun and connect with your people. So getting back to the obstacles, okay? So we understand social situations. We talked about your thoughts and we're going to go back to the mindset part of this. So understand what you are thinking when it comes to other people and your drinking. I think that's probably the biggest one for people that who have a lot of friends or their partner drinks. 
Okay, so for you to like ask yourself this question, what am I thinking about what other people think about my drinking? And write that down and get aware of that, okay? Look at the story you are telling yourself around your ability to cut back and the role other people play in you cutting back. So for example, Carla and the husband, like that's what we do for 30, you know, we've done that for 30 years. That's how we connect. So Carla, have you thought it would be so much easier for me to cut back if he cuts back, right? Giving our power away to making people change so that we can change, guess what that does? Prevents us from changing because other people are always gonna disappoint us when that shit comes up. Other people have to be motivated themselves to want to make those changes. And the good news is you don't need them to change for you to change yourself. When you focus on yourself, you get to the root of why you're over drinking. You learn how to pause and process and interrupt that cycle, work through those urges. You become very powerful. And then you're like, I'm the one that's responsible for doing this. I'm going to focus on me. And they get to decide what they want to do, just like all adults should be able to. Okay. Your thoughts in your mind, the sentences that are running around your mind, create your emotional experience and your feelings drive what you do or don't do. So looking at how you're thinking about this stuff is probably the most critical and learning how to process your feelings. And those together, you become very powerful in interrupting those automatic cycles and stopping that automatic action to drink. Okay. The other part of this is you got to stop beating yourself and being hard on yourself when you do drink. So if you have your drink plan and you go out and you try to execute that and say you over drink and you don't stick to your plan, you need to make a commitment to yourself right now that you will not be hard on yourself about that. Okay. You've been criticizing for yourself for years and it hasn't worked. Try approving of yourself and see what happens. Louis Tay. Really, like, really make that your mission. Like, I am not going to be hard on myself about this. I'm going to be curious about what happened. I want to understand what happened. I want to change my behavior, but I'm not going to tell myself shitty things or that I suck or I can't follow through or I can't do this, okay? Though, like, if you're like, I wonder what happened, I wonder what I could do differently next time, that will move you forward. Being hard on yourself is going to keep you stuck where you are, and you'll be like, I'm just going to fuck it and start on Monday, okay? You also want to fill your brain with as much counter, al counter alcohol content that you can because your brain is already being influenced by a lot of pro-alcohol content, right? Just the, what happens in our society. So read books, listen to podcasts, all that. It's easy to hate yourself. It really is. That's our default. It's hard to find the love and compassion for yourself, but I want you to do it anyway. All right? You want to write down your thoughts every day to see how they're creating the results in your life. Okay, your thoughts have a big impact on actual reality, where you're sitting right now, the jobs that you have, the quality of the relationships that you have, how much you're drinking can all be tracked back to how you're thinking. Okay, and the awareness here is so key. So just dumping out your thoughts every day in your journal will really help you get aware of that. And then you can do something with it, right? By just saying you're not going to drink or just following the plan and not doing that behind the scenes work, you get, you're missing so much critical information about why you're doing what you're doing in the first place. You want to get coaching on your thoughts so you can see the obstacles. You should join the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living program, especially if you want to do Dry July or just even just want to cut back. Find a supportive group. Surround yourself with people all willing and doing the work to cut back. If this is a big issue in your life, it's distracting you. It's costing you money, costing you time. You feel really frustrated. You've been trying to do this on your own. 
you should really consider joining a, a program that will help you move past this. You're not, there's not something wrong with you if you haven't been able to do it on your own yet. There really isn't. I wasn't able to do it on my own and I was very smart and high achieving and capable in all the other areas of my life and so are all the women in the program. You just need support sometimes. It's like, you know, wanting to be really good at a sport or learning something new at work and needing a coach, right? Like we don't know how to do some of this stuff yet and you need to put yourself in a place where you can learn and apply and have a coach there to help adjust where you're going. That's all. This is another one she wrote. She said, I never thought in such a short time I wouldn't be agonizing each day whether to drink or not. So going back to that visualization exercise that I had you guys do in the beginning, imagine that just being your day-to-day -day life where you're not thinking about this shit. Like you're free from that chatter. Maybe you've got other problems to solve. Maybe you want to start a side business. Maybe you want to run a half marathon. Maybe you just want to be more connected with your kids. Whatever that is, you can have that. When this big time suck is out of your mind, okay, and you're focusing on creating the life that you want to live. So I'm going to talk to you about the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living coaching program now. I'm going to get into the details about that. Before I do that, I want to make sure I answer any more questions that came through. Ooh, Cindy, you like being curious. Yes, me too. Because it's like curiosity is like, oh, I wonder, right? And it opens you up to problem solving. Shaming yourself is like, that definitely just holds you down, keeps you small. You just want to go and hide, right? They're not problem solving. It's like impossible to problem solve. And you're shaming yourself and you're, be you're beating yourself up. Or you're like, I recognize I drank more than I did wanted to last night. How can I go f figure this out? And you go to your journal and you write about it. And you ask yourself good questions like, what happened after the third drink? Or what was I feeling in the time that I said yes when I really wanted to say no? And, and discover that for yourself and then decide what you would do differently next time. And then you move on. And then you start another day. You don't say, I'll just start on Monday. You're like, okay, I figured that out. What can I do today to move me cl closer towards my goal? All right, I'm going to move on if you guys don't have any questions. But if, you, if something comes up, just pop it in the chat, okay? All right. So what I teach, this is a little snippet of that. I teach you how to identify which repetitive thoughts are creating results in your life that you no longer want, like over drinking. I coach you on how to change your thoughts to get better results in your life. And I talk to you about all the areas in your life so that you can think about those areas so that you feel better and you, and you de by default, need less alcohol to escape from some of the problems in your life. And I teach you, most importantly, the core of everything in what I teach is how to process and feel your feelings instead of being reactive to them all the time. Before, I would be so reactive. I'd get so pissed off so quickly and then I would yell and fly off the handle and then go drink. I am so much more deliberate and slow and I pause before I react to things now. I am so much more in control of so many areas of my life that I learned that skill. It doesn't just stop at learning how to stop over drinking. And so when you change the way you think and you learn how to feel and process, that's when you make the permanent changes that you seek with alcohol and then you move on. So if you're a good fit, I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody that's commenting and chatting here is, it seems like it. You tell yourself you're only going to have one or two, but you typically drink more than that. You feel frustrated with yourself when you do that. When you wake up in the morning, you struggle with honoring your commitments to yourself. You've tried to cut back in the past, but failed to make it a permanent solution. You often drink as your go-to for relaxation or pleasure and or to wind down and you don't do the things you actually want to be doing. 
and you feel stuck and overwhelmed and you're just like, you have a lot of doubt about being able to do it. That's totally normal. Okay. So if you resonate with this, you're probably a good fit for the program. The details of it is six months long. It's small. It's women only. It's a group coaching program. I want to make sure you understand what that means. So you are, you would be joining a group of women who are all working on this. Um, and when you get coaching from me, you come on and you're directly getting coaching from me on your specific issue. And our sessions can range from 10 minutes to 30 minutes together. And then when I'm done with you and we feel like we've had a natural conclusion to the thing that you need help with, I put you back as an attendee in the webinar. And then I bring on the next person and I coach them directly on their specific issue. And then the people that are there get to observe the coaching and they get to apply that coaching to their own situation. And there's just so many similarities with people and what they're getting coaching on that you can get a lot more coaching than just having a private one-on-one -on -one coach when you observe the other people because we all share very similar struggles and it's very powerful to know that you're not alone. So there are individual, it's individual coaching, but it's done in a group setting. You don't know and you can't see who's there, but if they're getting coached, then you can watch them get coached and vice versa. And all of the calls are recorded and uploaded to a members only website. So if you can't make it live, you can go back and watch them and they're really, really good. It's application only, so going back to those questions I just asked you, you have to fill out a short um, online application. I wanna make sure you're a good fit and you wanna do this work and you resonate with me. Um, if you like the, my, my teaching style, my coaching style, if you've resonated what I taught, maybe you've been listening to the podcast for a while or something and you feel like you would listen to me, that's really important to know. <laughs> if I rub you the wrong way and you're like, fuck you, I can't stand it when you talk, it's probably not gonna work. Right. But if you like me and you feel like my story is similar to yours or something like that, then that is a good sign. <laughs> um, this is somebody that wrote in about after month five. She said, I can honestly say that nearing the end of month five, my desire for alcohol is diminishing more and more each week. I plan my drinks for the week. I plan my food each day. I love it. I had five weeks of no drinks inside the program. I've done Monday through Thursday. No drinks. I've had tons of social situations not drinking. And yep, I've had a few over drinking nights too. I can count on half of one hand though. I've experimented with it all. It's all part of learning and deciding yourself what my relationship with alcohol will be. And I needed six months to do it. The chatter in my head that used to be constant has just gone. So this is part of discovering what's working for you and giving yourself, you deserve the space and the time and the support to figure that out. So each week, I described how the coaching calls work, but each week you have two or three opportunities to get that live coaching support. And then we have two additional calls per month to review our, I also, a lot of people in the program wanna lose weight, so we have worksheets in there to help you make your drink plan and your food plan and evaluation worksheets. Um, but we review those together and I teach you how to self-coach and that's done over Zoom as well in more of a Q&A style format like, these, like this call is. So we have a total of 10 live coaching calls a month they're all recorded and uploaded to a members only website, like I said. This is an example calendar. This is actually what this last month's calendar looked like. So we have calls on the weekends, we have calls on the weekends, we have them during the day in the morning to accommodate all of the different time zones that people participate in. So there should be calls that you can attend each month, several calls each month that you can attend live and get the support that you want live. Um, and if you can't, then you can just watch them on replay it depends on what you're looking for. If you want that live support, it's great to get on a call and get live coaching. Or if you're somebody that likes to take notes and watch replays of things, that works too. Um, 
it's there's something here that will fit with everybody's sort of like way they like to learn and process information. In addition to those coaching calls, you get a monthly workbook every month of the program with a different topic. So the first month when you join, you get access to the feelings workbook and there's a worksheet that you do every day for the month where you get awareness of what's happening and then you apply what I'm teaching to you in that workbook. And it really helps you just get a lot of awareness. It, the month one is all about interrupting those automatic process, automatic actions that we take when we feel a certain way. Um, it really sets the foundation for your success in the rest of the program. And then when you're done with month two, month one, you move to month two and another workbook, more videos, etc. Um, you also have access to previously live recorded workshops I've done inside the program only, such as weight loss. We had a relationships expert come in and teach about relationships. I had somebody, a sleep expert, come in and, and do a workshop on sleep because, as somebody mentioned here too, a lot of times when we're cutting back, we our sleep in, gets interrupted and there's tools to manage that. Um, and then we also get access to my original podcast called Lessons on Self-Coaching, which is when I shared my whole journey with my own work to solve the overdrinking. That's not available to the public anymore. It's just available to members inside the membership. Oh, Kristen, Angela's program is amazing. I was a member for 12 months. It really has changed my life for the better. I'm only drinking occasionally. I'm setting and meeting my goals, and I've made so many great friends in this program. I highly recommend this program. So good, Kristen. Thank you. Oh, Kristen, Lori, yeah, Kristen, I agree. I knew I would listen to Angela. That was exactly why I needed to start the shift. Oh, you guys are awesome. Thank you. All right, so the way you can connect with other people and make these amazing friendships is through our private Facebook group. It's just for people inside the six-month coaching program. Um, and that's where you can get written coaching support. So if you can't make a live call or you need extra support, we're doing the dry July this month. So every day in the Facebook community, we are supporting members there. Um, you can write in for coaching and connect with other members in that way. And we don't promise to get back to you real time. It's not like a hotline, but within 24 hours, you will get a response to your coaching request that you put in there. Um, and it's a really fun community of all hardworking women that are here to make a difference in their relationship with alcohol. And after your six months is over, you still have access to this. So anytime I do a challenge or like, you know, people who have expired last month still get to do the dry July challenge inside the Facebook group. So you have access to that for as long as it exists. So the results that people experience after doing the six month program is they experience on average a 50 to 80% reduction in how much they're drinking after six months. This is just on average. A lot of people experience a higher number than that or decide to quit completely. And the freedom that comes when their mind isn't thinking about alcohol at night, the next morning when you've had too much to drink or whether or not you should drink, like there's so much less of that in your mind. The skill to process emotions and not be so reactive to them. You're saving money on alcohol and take advantage of new financial opportunities. Maybe it's promotion at work. Maybe it's starting a business, whatever that is. You can enjoy a social situation without drinking or having a couple without overdoing it. So there's just so much more than the drinking that you get to experience with a life coach like me who's going to help you have a better life while you're cutting back on your drinking. 
The, the total for this is $5,500 for the six months. You're, you get the 10 live calls per month. You get six months of daily support. You get unlimited support in the Facebook group. You get the monthly workbooks and videos, the bonus, bonus courses and workshops, and that support and connection with the other members. And then for people who are attending this call, if you decide to join within the next week, a welcome package will be shipped directly to you with a, one of my favorite books and a journal and another little gift to start your journey. And we're having a live new member kickoff call on January 29th. And we are doing the dry January, so or dry July. So that's kicks off tomorrow. So if you guys want to get your applications in, um, this is a link to do that. Amanda, if you could put that in the chat so you guys can click on that and open it up. Um, yeah, so that basically what happens there is it's a website. And then there's a few videos you can watch if you want. I go over the problem of over drinking, the solution and the details, but I did just go over that with everybody just now. It's the same information. Um, but if you know you want in, just click the button that says apply now and fill out that short application and submit that. And then I'll be reviewing those and you'll hear back from me right away if you're approved to join. I'm guessing everybody on this call would be approved. I haven't heard anything that would make me not approve you. Some of the things I wouldn't approve somebody if they said that they were physically addicted and they needed alcohol to function. Like that is not something that I'm able to do in a virtual um, program and I'm not, I don't have that training. If you feel like that is you and you need to get, talk to your medical provider about a program that would help you get off the alcohol safely. Um, if you don't think that you would get coaching, if you would really be adverse to participating in a group coaching program, if you know that you wouldn't do that, it would be a hard no. And I'm happy to coach you on those thoughts. A lot of people initially think, ah, oh, group, I want private, my problems are too severe. Um, you know, we talk about so much here. There's been women who have lost children, gone through divorces, infidelity, death. I mean, there's just been a lot of deep stuff that we talk about that it's in a safe environment and I know how to help you navigate that. I also have a, you know, colorful life, let's just say, and have worked through a lot of things myself. So it's a very loving and supportive group and there's no shame around any of that. Nobody has a perfect life. So we address a lot of that stuff in the coaching calls. Um, that would probably be about the only reasons why I would deny somebody. And then if you say you don't like me, <laughs> I mean, I probably wouldn't, you probably wouldn't want to work with me if you put that in your application. So I do swear. Um, sometimes that can be a turnoff for people. Um, but that's probably the only reasons why I wouldn't accept somebody into the program. So you're probably all pretty safe. <laughs> oh, Deanna. Absolutely. The program is amazing. I went from a bottle of wine a night to two glasses a week. I've been out for a year now. I'm still only drinking two glasses of wine a week. Over drinking doesn't happen anymore. Mm, thank you, Deanna. I think that's a really good point to make, and thank you for sharing that. I did not ask anybody to do this, by the way. <laughs> so I'm just like, it kind of makes me want to cry thinking about long term. I mean, that's a question that people ask, like, well, what happens after the six months? And is this sustainable? And clearly it is, right? Like, everyone that has commented here isn't active in the program anymore. And they come on, they listen to the podcast, they still apply the tools that I'm teaching, and it has become a permanent solution for them. So thank you for sharing that. Um, this work works. And if you're willing to put in the time and the effort, the time commitment around it is maybe 15 to 20 minutes a day to do the daily workbook, and then maybe an hour or so a week to get on a live coaching call or to watch a replay. 
So if you have 15 to 20 minutes a day and you can carve out an hour to watch a call or attend a, a coaching call, then you absolutely can do this. And then working through your failures is big. Like if you have an overdrink, we've got videos inside the program and the support in the Facebook community or you get on a coaching call and work through that instead of saying hit it and shamed about it. Nobody is going to judge you if you're like, I had an overdrink. Can you help me figure this out? That's what we do here. Like that is the, the main purpose of having support is when things don't go as planned. Because when things don't go as planned, what we want to do is just hide and say, I'll start again on Monday. And then we don't and we lose our traction and our motivation. And then we never make the changes that we seek. You learn so much in the mistakes that you make to keep you going forward. So that's where like if people join, they get real excited sometimes to do the work and they, they're perfect and then they have a, a slip up or whatever, and then they don't reach out and get the support that they need in that moment, that's where people tend to fall off. But that doesn't happen very often. So anyway, let me know if you have any questions about that. Happy to answer any questions right now um, that you might have about the program, what your husbands might think, your spouses and partners might think about it. Um, my biggest advice on that is just if you want to do this, if you resonate with me, do it. We have this one opportunity in this life. As you know, things change rapidly. And if you've been thinking about doing this program, there is not a better time to join than right now. We're going to have a high engagement, high supportive month in the month of July. Whether you decide to do dry January or not, it will help you start with success that will fuel and take over for the rest of the time in the program. And you'll get through the rest of the holidays if you join right now, too. Yeah, Kristen, the coaching calls are so supportive. It's really nice to see that other people are going through the same things that you are dealing with. I learned so much from each coaching call. Yeah, I agree. Even if you decide not to join the program, I want you to walk away from this class feeling empowered that you can make a change with your relationship with alcohol and know that I'm always going to be here to support you. So three months down the road, six months down the road, whatever it is, if you're like, you know what, I'm going to give this a go, just reach out and let us know. If you have any questions after this is over, you can email us at hello at AngelaMasenic.com and I'll write back to you and answer your questions. So if nobody else has any questions, we can sign off. It's been a lovely morning. Thank you for joining with me. I hope you all have a successful, safe, and happy holiday. Hey, you just heard all the details of the six-month Stop Over Drinking and Start Living coaching program, and I'm inviting you to join me. Yes, you, today. Click through that application link and review the questions and submit your application, and let's do this. Get the support you need through the rest of the year so you can stop over drinking and start living. Talk soon. Didn't we